Back to Basics podcast. In this series of podcasts, Stevens and Bolton's construction and engineering team will be providing listeners with an overview of the different types of dispute resolution processes used in the construction industry. I'm Lauren Melnick, an associate at Stevens and Bolton, and today I'm going to be talking through the process of adjudication. Other upcoming topics include alternative dispute resolution, or ADR, litigation and also arbitration but today I'll be talking about what adjudication involves the process and also include some top tips on being prepared. So firstly what is adjudication and how does it work? Well adjudication is a contractual or statutory dispute resolution procedure designed to allow construction disputes to be resolved swiftly and without resorting to lengthy and expensive litigation or arbitration. Statutory adjudication was introduced by the Construction Act with an aim to facilitate cash flow through the industry and also limit disruption to ongoing projects. It applies to parties to a construction contract who cannot contract out of it and it gives the parties the right to refer a dispute to adjudication at any time. So if your contract doesn't actually include an adjudication clause, it doesn't matter. The scheme for construction contracts will then apply and you're able to refer that dispute to adjudication at any time. Adjudication is often described as a pay-first, argue-later mechanism for resolving disputes. And because it is a quick procedure, usually 28 days unless extended by agreement, it's also been described as rough and ready justice. And because it is a quicker procedure for resolving disputes, it is more cost-effective than litigation or arbitration. But on that cost point, whilst it might be cheaper, costs are not recoverable, unlike in litigation. The parties cannot also agree as to how the costs will be allocated, so it can't be decided in the construction contract that the losing party pays the other party's costs. In relation to the costs of the adjudicator, all parties to the adjudication are jointly and severally liable for the adjudicator's fees, although the adjudicator does have discretion to order that one party pay these, and that is usually the losing party. But it's worth remembering that if a party is unable to pay, say, due to insolvency, then the other can be made to pay, even if they were the successful party. So it's really important then to determine before actually referring a dispute to adjudication that the respondent does have the money to pay any award that might be awarded and the adjudicator's fees before going in and launching that adjudication. A dispute must have crystallised before it can be referred to adjudication. Now, generally, this just means that a claim must have been made, which is not admitted. But you do need to be careful here. Just because one party may have notified the other that they have a claim, it doesn't immediately give rise to a dispute. It must not be admitted. In terms of process, then, how is an adjudication conducted? Well, firstly, the adjudication is triggered by a notice to the other party that there is a dispute and that it wishes that dispute to be referred to adjudication. Now, that's called the notice of adjudication. The notice must be drafted very carefully because it defines the scope of the dispute that the adjudicator can decide. It will describe the nature of the dispute, how the dispute arose and the nature of the remedy being sought. And it's really important to ensure that this is phrased correctly because the adjudicator cannot decide anything other than that set out in that notice. Only one dispute can be referred in an adjudication at any one time, but a dispute may have multiple sub-issues, so it can be fairly broad. 
if there are multiple disputes on a project, it is a good idea to start to think about which dispute should be referred first. Because if you can determine a dispute and get a decision in your favour, that could establish a precedent and that lead to payment on other matters, that's a good strategy. The appointment of an adjudicator must then be sought within seven days of the notice. The adjudicator will either be named in the contract, subsequently agreed by the parties, or selected by a nominating body on the application of the referring party. And the referring party must then send a referral notice, and that referral notice must also be sent within seven days of the notice of adjudication to both the adjudicator and the responding party. And that referral notice details the claim and sets out all the submissions that are being made to the adjudicator. We would always advise clients that the referral notice should be drafted and ready to go prior to sending the notice of adjudication because it's required to be served within such a tight time scale. So you don't want to get caught rushing into launching an adjudication and not having your referral ready and then missing deadlines. The key point at the stage of drafting the notice and the referral, I think, is to be prepared. You need to have all the information at hand, including any reports and evidence that you might want to rely upon. And it's also really important to think about the timing of launching an adjudication, because if your key personnel are, for example, going on holiday, you don't want to commence an adjudication. The responding party then put in their response and then you not have the relevant people around to be able to respond to that. The precise procedural steps shall be decided by the adjudicator and the adjudicator is able to take the initiative to ascertain the facts and the law. The procedure is a matter for the adjudicator, but most claims are dealt with on paper, although an adjudicator can carry out site inspections and conduct hearings if he or she so wishes. The responding party, after having received the referral, will then have an opportunity to respond to the referral notice and set out its case. The adjudicator must then reach a decision within 28 days of the referral notice, or I did mention earlier that this can be extended by agreement and that's to a maximum of 42 days. It is common that both parties will make multiple submissions to the adjudicator to outline their position. So after the responding party has put in their response, it is common for the referring party to request permission from the adjudicator to submit a reply. And the responding party can then request to submit what is known as rejoinder. And lastly, the referring party might want to end with submitting a surrejoinder. But parties do need to be careful here. You know, they will naturally want to comment back and defend their position and try and have the last say to the adjudicator. But it's really important that any further submissions contain material information rather than it just being submitted unnecessarily. It is normal to ask the adjudicator to give reasons for his or her decision, and that will be set out usually in a written decision. An adjudicator's decision is interim binding, and that means that the decision is binding on the parties unless and until that dispute is finally determined by legal proceedings. But ultimately, there is no redress if the adjudicator makes an incorrect determination in fact or law other than to commence court proceedings. As an adjudication decision is binding on the parties, if one party doesn't comply with an adjudication decision, the successful party may apply to the Technology and Construction Court to enforce that decision. And there are only very limited circumstances in which the court will not enforce an adjudicator's decision. 
and that is firstly one if the adjudicator exceeded his or her jurisdiction for example the adjudicator might have determined more than one dispute or the dispute hadn't crystallized or two if the rules of natural justice were materially breached now everyone has the right to a fair hearing and the right to be heard by an impartial tribunal and a breach of natural justice may include bias or failure to act impartially and procedural irregularity. Although really successfully arguing these points is a tough hill to climb and, and generally the court has shown that they don't want to interfere with adjudication decisions and will just enforce. So that brings me to the end of this short adjudication episode. Thank you for listening to this podcast, which is the first in the current Back to Basics dispute resolution series by the construction and engineering team here at Stevens and Bolton. If you have any questions or would like any further information on what I have discussed today or during the rest of our dispute resolution series, please don't hesitate to get in touch with myself or your usual Stevens and Bolton contact. In the next episode, my colleague Claire Perry will be discussing alternative dispute resolution. Thank you and goodbye.